It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Odyssey's 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast. I am Brian Rennick. I am joined by the legend, Al Sacco. And we have a special guest today. I'm going to bring him in right now. We are thrilled to welcome probably one of the hardest working uh, individuals in the podcasting game, uh, Mr. Brian Peacock, half of Peacock from Locked On 49ers, also of Williamson and Peacock NFL show. And uh, Brian, thank you so much for your time. It's, uh, it's awesome to have you on with us. Oh, it's uh, it's a pleasure. The the legendary Al Sacco. I love that introduction you guys uh, gave me there. You guys. Sorry, there's a, a fire truck going by just now. I don't know if you guys could hear that. It is freezing cold where I'm at, by the way. So I had to have my tea for this one for an afternoon podcast uh, to warm myself up from the inside. Um, yeah, fantastic to be, be on with you guys. I appreciate it. It's good to have you, man. You know what? Yeah, I haven't talked to you in a really. I haven't talked to you in a really long time, Brian. But. I think one thing I just I always want to ask you is how do you find so much shit to talk about every day? Like it's really hard to do two shows a week and you're like every day. Like how do you do it? I I I was really reluctant to start doing the locked on thing it, way back in its infancy. Um, I was doing a podcast one day a week with my guy, Nick Winkler. It was called Gold Faithful, and it was just something we did at work. We already worked at a radio station, so we would jump in the booth after work and and record a podcast once a week, and it was not very serious or anything. And, you know, it was like, but the podcasting thing is like, you know, this this could be better. It could be bigger. How, how do I do it bigger? And right about that time, um, I reached out to David Locke, who was doing the, the, the Locked On Network, and I saw that that was happening. And we talked a little bit and i was like man because this is january so this is january 2017 it was uh, i started the same week that kyle shanahan and john lynch st- started with the 49ers so that's when i started nice. doing on. and it was the beginning of the off season uh and i made it the draft and everything and i was thinking this is not possible you can't do a podcast every single day in like june I'm like how is that even possible but i i took it on and I started it, and I'm big in the draft, so that wasn't going to be a problem. But I was a little bit worried post-draft. And it turns out that, especially with the San Francisco 49ers, and especially the last couple of years, it's been <laughs> a breeze because there's always something. And yeah. even the unforeseen stories, like you already know there's going to be a quarterback thing brewing when they trade up in the draft, right? So you know that's yeah. going to last through an entire offseason. But then the Brock Purdy stuff now, and it's just the team that keeps on giving. It's It's got to be the best team in the NFL to cover right now. It never stops. The content never stops. That's funny. We actually started this show. It was when the Niners remember Earl Mitchell was like one of the first free agent signings of this this regime. Yeah. That's when we started. It was like that week. I remember I did a conference call with Earl Mitchell and then we did the first show after that. So yeah, it was like 2017. We've been we've been this way too long. Way too long. It's crazy. We're gonna talk about in the show parallels, right? Brian's got some good stuff about Shanahan and Walsh and Peacock, I was thinking, I'm going to call you guys by your last names, I guess, because there's two Brian's right now. So I don't. And I'm, I'm and we're both, and we both spell it correctly as well. That's the big thing. Yeah, that's what makes it. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's going to be Rennick and Peacock for the rest of the show. But uh-huh. anyway, so we're thinking about parallels. And I'm thinking about this Brock Purdy thing, right? Colin Kaepernick jumps to mind for me, and not in the sense that they're the same quarterback because they are not. They are very different physically. Obviously, Kaepernick is a, is a freak physically, but the parallel to me is in 2011 when Kaepernick took, took over, he brought something different than Alex Smith did. 
Smith was mobile, but not to Kaepernick's extent. But Smith did not throw the ball downfield. And Kaepernick comes in and all of a sudden he has this big arm and there's bigger plays to be made. And it changed the offense. And I think especially because the defense was so banged up in the playoffs that year, I'm not sure they would have had enough firepower with Smith to make the Super Bowl. If they did. Uh, maybe who knows what would have happened. That's kind of my theory on it. So this year you look at the Niners had originally moved away from Garoppolo, we know because of the injuries, but also because they needed more out of the offense. There weren't those big play abilities and they wanted to get somebody who could do that. So you bring in Lance. But the issue is that Lance has been hurt, too. So we go back with Garoppolo, and this team's been really inconsistent scoring all season and driving me crazy. And then Purdy comes in. And what we've seen since Purdy's been here, he's still making the intermediate throws that Jimmy did, but there's these bigger plays down the field. And it's not that he has this cannon arm or anything. He's just willing to take shots. And it's changed the offense. Listen to this stat. The Niners have had 20, I'm sorry, five touchdowns of 25 yards or more in the last two games. They had seven in the previous 12. So it's definitely changed things. And, and, I, and I think that could be a big sort of way to catapult them maybe into another Super Bowl. So, so Peacock, what do you, what do you, am I crazy with this parallel? Does it make sense to you? No, it makes perfect sense. And, and I've said that recently, and I don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow with Brock Purdy, but all I know is what we've seen so far with Brock Purdy is he actually, it's crazy to think that the 49ers season rides on the shoulders of a seventh round rookie quarterback but he actually gives them the best chance to win based on what we've seen if he keeps playing that way. I don't know if he's going to keep playing that way. I'm not projecting that to be the case, but if he plays the way he has been, because yes, he's taking the layups that Kyle Shanahan presents in his offense and getting the ball out to all the playmakers that the 49ers have, but making some second reaction plays, getting out of the pocket, on the move, making throws. Um, he's got those aggressive eyes that my co-host Eric Crocker on Locked On 49ers likes to talk about. He's he's willing to to see that, that uh the touchdown to check down is Steve Mariucci always says, right? He's he's willing to take a peek at the bigger play and and give it a and give it a shot. And 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 it's it's becoming more and more clear now watching the 49ers offense and really it had a chance in the same season to watch three different quarterbacks now operate Kyle Shanahan's offense. And Jimmy Garoppolo clearly does not have those aggressive eyes and doesn't want to take some of those shots down the field and Brock Purdy is more than willing to even though he doesn't have a bigger arm he does throw a pretty ball and it's a pretty catchable ball and he's made mm -hmm. some throws that weren't great there was the um, the interception in the uh there was uh what was that was it to Iuk the interception down the right sideline that he threw and it wasn't like really a back shoulder it wasn't really over the top it was kind of just like inside you know it wasn't really oh, a the great arm throw. punt the arm punt yeah. against Miami yeah, the fourth yeah. down one yep right yeah um yeah. And but it's, he's willing to take a shot. And, and that's what we're seeing. And so he's he's doing a little bit of both. And I can kind of see some parallels there to where and actually I just watched the 2012 uh, playoff game against the Packers with, with you know, with <laughs> Colin Kaepernick runs for 178 yards yeah. or whatever it was. And, you know, I, it looks a lot different if if I don't know if it would have been better or worse or whatever in any of those games. But the way that they got to the Super Bowl, it's almost like and you can't do this with quarterbacks, but I would have liked to see Alex Smith play in the Super Bowl, but I don't know if Alex Smith would have gotten them to the Super Bowl if he was quarterback in all the games either. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and for the 49ers, they don't have a choice because it's just Brock Purdy, but if he keeps playing like he has been, he's giving you the layups and he's giving you the big plays too. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, Al, Al texted and said, hey, here's some of the things that I wanted to talk about, and one of them was this parallel. And so I, I wanted to look it up as well and be like, is there a parallel? And and again, with us and some of the stuff that we're going to look at later kind of blows my mind in terms of like just the, the parallels and how it's like, how does something like this happen? 
But Colin Kaepernick came in in 2012 when Alex Smith went down and and started the, the final seven games of the season. Brock Purdy is also going to get seven games to end the season if you include Miami being a, a, what amounts to a full game since he came in after the first drive of the game. And uh, Kaeper, uh, Kaepernick ended up going five and two, uh, and he threw for 1,814 yards, had 10, inter- or 10 touchdowns and three interceptions, uh, took 16 sacks. That was the, the one that was like, ooh, that's, that's tough. In seven games, you're talking about two sacks a game. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's tough. Uh, but then also added 415 yards on the ground and five touchdowns. And when you look at the games that he played, in those seven games, the only team that he ended up playing that was also ended up being a, a playoff team that season was the New England Patriots, who he absolutely put a show on against. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Purdy has played Miami, is likely a playoff team, but but it's not guaranteed right now. He's played the Bucks, who despite <laughs> despite what's going on there, I have I have a hard time believing the Panthers are going to end up as the NFC South representative. So I imagine that the Bucks will. Not that they're a good team, but that's still a playoff team. And then the Seahawks. So three weeks in a row, he's playing teams that have playoff aspirations. And then a fourth week in a row against the Commanders, although theirs took a big hit after last night's loss. Uh, and then he ends the season uh, against the Raiders and then against the Cardinals. So in terms of parallels, they're going to play the same number of games. Uh Kaepernick ended up five and two so far. Purdy is three and zero, oh, uh, but Purdy is playing, in my opinion, kind of stiffer competition. And then the other thing is you got to think of it this way. I mean, Kaepernick averaged one hundred and thirty nine and a half yards per game in those seven games. Purdy is already averaging more than that. He's averaging over two hundred. So different offenses for sure. The one thing that that I think is different for Purdy than was for Kaepernick is that he's he's really just. Kyle Shanahan wants, and we've said this before, he wants a, a quarterback out there where he can just mash his controller buttons like Madden and 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 make the throws that he wants him to make. And and Purdy is doing that for him in spades. the 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 biggest thing that Purdy adds that that I would argue Garoppolo doesn't. I don't even need to argue. Garoppolo doesn't add this. Is like you said, Brian, that that escapability, that mm-hmm. the the plays that he extends with his legs. You know, you can think of. Uh, against was it against the was it against the Seahawks that that naked boot where he juked the defender and got the ball out? Um, that's not anything that Garoppolo is going to do. 2017 Garoppolo, possibly post ACL injury Garoppolo, absolutely not. We just haven't seen it. So it is it is crazy that there are those parallels, and and obviously we know what happened with Kaepernick at the end of that run. They ended up in the Super Bowl. So. Hey, fingers crossed. This is the same for for Brock Purdy. It's just that you know you uncross those fingers once you get to the Super Bowl because you're hoping for a different result. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the 2017 Jimmy too because I went through in uh, I was maybe in the off season to go back and watch some of those things because I wanted to see what Jimmy really looked like versus what we'd seen, especially with injured Jimmy Garoppolo in the playoffs last year. And yeah, I, I think the the number one thing I took away from that is there's way more. Um, lower half going on with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that affected his ability to throw the ball down the field too, is because he's not got as much lower half. And he's, he's always been really quick with that, you know, the hips and just kind of like snapping off those throws with the upper body, but there was even less. And so you could see him move around a little bit more and 27 Garoppolo looked a lot more like, I think, 
2022 Purdy that we're seeing now. And Purdy's got a little bit more athleticism getting out of the pocket, I think, a little bit. But he's not a super fast guy. He's not going to go make big runs or anything like that. Right. Um, but it, it, it there was definitely a different vibe to the 2017 Jimmy. And I think maybe even a little naivety to it. And, and maybe it's just a pared down version of Kyle's offense where not maybe not everything is thrown in on a quarterback, which we, we've seen hasn't necessarily made these quarterbacks better either so there's so many factors going on here with different players different skill sets um how kyle uses them and the only takeaway really i have right now is that it pays to go from somebody else's offense to kyle shanahan's offense but we're seeing we're we've yet to learn if it pays to spend a long time in kyle shanahan's offense so that's why you know next year i want to see a better if like we get to see a better version of Purdy than we've already seen, or we get to see that whatever we expected and hoped for Trey Lance in the future. Uh, I would love to see that, but um, that's probably the one reservation I have with Kyle Shanahan is like, okay, well, where's the where's the growth for these quarterbacks? Because they show up and they look amazing, but we haven't seen them get better really yet. And right, I don't know if there's even I don't know if there's even a reason for that, or if that's just you know a small sample. Uh, thing that doesn't exist, but that's that's definitely something that I, I've really started to wonder about with Kyle Shanahan because clearly his offense is awesome and he makes things easy on quarterbacks. Somehow, when they show up, they play well. Mm-hmm. But w- w- I haven't seen I, c- I can't think of anybody except for like you know year two well, Matt Ryan and, and and like big growth in yeah. Kyle Shanahan's offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the one that sticks out where that was that. 2016 Falcons offense is kind of like that's what you, that's what you want. That was like the pinnacle yeah. of Shanahan's offense. Ryan really took that jump. The big thing to me that stuck out, I think, the most about Purdy because he's not physically the most gifted guy in the world. But Brian, you mentioned like Shanahan wants to just kind of mash that X button or whatever, right? Throw it here, throw it, throw it there. He seems to have the smarts to do that, and he's got yes. poise and he's got moxie. And the thing with the Seattle game. So you watch the game, and there were a couple plays that jumped out, but you know, it wasn't not like he put up 45 points. But when you look at what he did, Seattle's been a house of horrors for the Niners, and it's tough for anybody to play there. He went into Seattle injured with a hurt oblique on a Thursday night. And yeah, he had that one pass that should have been picked. He's a seventh-round rookie in his third game. That's, those things are gonna happen. It happened once, right? It was maybe he had one or two bad throws. Other than that, he was really good. So to go in there and do that at that point in your career. It just it gives me so much confidence. And you just think he's going to keep getting better and keep getting better. And the thing, too, that really is sticking out to me is that Kyle seems to have confidence in him. So, Brian, you brought out the rollout. I believe that was third and one, third and two, something like that. It was towards the end of the game. And mm-hmm. he's got the option there. He could either dump it off in the flat if it's there or run. If it wasn't there in the <laughs> flat, and he got the first down. This is, a, again, a seventh-round rookie with in his third start, essentially. Here, go do this. Like for Kyle to do that, you saw in the first game when he came in, he threw 37 times. So Kyle really trusts him to do that. And you have to feel it's it's premature to talk about because this could all go to hell in the next few weeks. But going into next year, if this continues and they make a run, like you said, Peacock, we're, we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about because we're going to be talking about a quarterback controversy. I'm blown away. And especially the Seattle Seahawks game was like how how was this not the game that he falls apart short week, right? Injured at mm-hmm. Seattle. It's a big game. Like it's such a massive moment for you as just a human being, a young player in his rookie season. And 
it's a short week. You have no time to prepare. You, you threw a couple passes in a ballroom in a walkthrough because you're, you're hurt and you, uh, and it didn't look like he was injured at all. It looked like he was still that same, like seven year veteran that he looked like the week before. And uh, that's blown me away. And I've been, I've, I've become such a believer in, in Brock Purdy because it's the best version we've seen of Kyle Shanahan's offense. The first half against the Buccaneers. And you talked about what his passing yards per game was. I mean, one of those games, he didn't even have to throw the ball in the second half because all that was, came in the first half. It was two like, of three for zero yards in the second half against the Bucks. Yeah, it was literally <laughs> the best half of quarterback play I've seen under Kyle Shanahan, and that was done by a rookie seventh rounder uh, mm-hmm. in, his, in his first career start. It's it pretty unbelievable. And so I, I'm a fully, yeah. and to, to be honest with you, it's not about believing anymore because uh, most of the stuff that's happening, I would never believe. Like the, basically the day, <laughs> yeah. like, starting. I would say March, I think it was March 26th, right, in 2021 when the 49ers traded up to the third pick in the draft. Yep. From March, if March, if you told me on March 25th, like a tenth of what's gone on in the last couple of years, I wouldn't believe any of it. Like it, that, that, that day sent off this crazy cycle of just pretty much unbelievable stuff. And I, will, I, I won't be shocked about anything that happens with the 49ers anymore. Well, and it's interesting, the two plays that you brought up, Al, the – the third down run that essentially iced the game. It didn't, but it was it it was damn near close to icing the game. And then that uh, that second touchdown to Kittle. Right, the first touchdown was that really cool fake to the left, fake to the right. Kittle delays and then goes up the seam, wide open, throws it to him, runs it in for a touchdown. That I, second touchdown. I was say the first Kittle touchdown. That's definitely all Kyle because of the design and how it worked. And mm-hmm. it's also partially because the guys on the field. And if so, if we're talking about Christian McCaffrey and an impact there. Oh, I the gravity. Just, yeah. yeah. Just, just kind of faking a screen to Christian McCaffrey is, is, is probably, yeah, a little, a little more gravity than faking a screen to Jeff Wilson. Or For sure. But that second touchdown to Kittle, Kittle was the fourth read on that play, the fourth. So we're talking about a kid who had the wherewithal in a game uh, in in enemy territory in a, in a stadium that has been a house of horrors for the team he's playing for a difficult place to play for any quarterback the division title on the line and this kid has the wherewithal to not only start his slide inbound so that the clock continues to run but also to stick the ball out past the yard marker so that when his knee touches the ball is across the line and that's a first down that is that is veteran savvy stuff right there from a seventh round rookie. And it just goes to point to, again, the biggest difference right now between Brock Purdy and Trey Lance outside of the physical skill set, because it's 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 drastic how different that physical skill set is. The biggest difference is that that kid played 47 starts at a power five school. He played at Oklahoma he played at Texas you know he he has the experience that he can lean on so that these moments are not too big for him and that's the biggest thing for me and that's why it's so exciting and so now it's just all about the development and I said this on our victory pod Zane was on with me the 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 thing I came away with and I can't stop thinking about is after that game was over on Thursday And I'm watching Amazon Prime's post game. They have Kittle and Purdy on. That was awesome. But after that, they had Michael Smith, right? The the reporter, Michael Smith, Uh, Mm -hmm. not Michael, not Stephen A. Smith, Michael Smith. Uh, Michael Smith covered the Patriots for the Boston Globe in 2001. 
And he came on Amazon Prime after game and said, Brock Purdy is giving him, because of the way that he prepares and because of the experience that he has to lean on, is giving Michael Smith 2001 Tom Brady vibes. Now, if you're a 49er fan, I don't know that you could hear something and be more excited about what you heard about this kid than than 2001 Tom Brady vibes. And so do I think that do I think that this offense has a higher ceiling with Trey Lance? Obviously, uh, any offense is going to have a higher ceiling with a player that has a, a, a bigger physical skill set than another player, right? You know, we've talked about what if Trey Lance turns into Josh Allen? What does this what does this offense look like with someone like a Josh Allen? But the issue is, is is there enough time with the roster that they currently have to get Trey the 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 reps necessary to get to that level when you know again, small sample size, three games, you've got this kid who who can't throw the ball as far as Trey, who can't run like Trey can run, but can operate this offense at the next level up from what Jimmy Garoppolo did, how do you go away from that? And I don't know that you do. It's yeah. And like the Brady comparisons, I mean, it's, it's hard to go there because that's not, it's not only once in a duration a generation that's once in a, you know, ever thing. Right. And, and, and so like, even that aside, just seeing what he's doing as a seventh round pick, but um, the way he's wired and my favorite thing yeah. he's said so far is, and you know, Kyle Shanahan had to love, hearing it as well is post game they basically the question was i don't remember what the exact quote or question was but the question was why why are you doing so good right now this isn't supposed to be happening he's like oh i don't know i'm just doing what the like kyle tells me what to do and i do it right you know and it's just like it's that simple it's the was it is it i think it's forrest gump right there's the scene in forrest gump when he's in the military and he's mm -hmm. like are you a genius you know the drill sergeant's asking him are you a genius because he just did what he was asked to do and, and I thought that was hilarious, but uh, the way he's wired is also part of the, like, so he's played so many games in college and was a, you know, a, a recruited to play D one football, even though he wasn't the biggest, strongest guy mm -hmm. for a reason. And so those, it's kind of like those things all inform each other. So the reason he played so much is because he was wired that way from a young age. And I would guess he's probably just really good on his whatever basketball team when he was a kid and his dad was a you know former baseball player so i bet he's one of the, i bet he played shortstop as one of the best baseball players on his team there too just because there's something innate about it and something instinctual where he knows that he needs to get a first down he knows to stick the ball out and slide it wasn't because he practiced it every day uh you know for four years in college it's just something that he's always had and that's why he could play early in college and that's why he played so many games in college which is also adding on to itself because he's wired that way. And now he's got experience on top of it. And now he's playing well as a young NFL player. As a, as a Matt, I would say as a Madden character, his awareness would be really high. Yes. And his like arm strength and accuracy like would be significantly lower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I That's always, kind of what we're talking about. I always talk about it as a donut. Like um, if you think of a donut in, in someone like Trey Lance is a, is a donut and there's a hole in the middle and Brock Purdy is the donut hole. And you're like, you wish you could just put those together and put the donut hole in the donut yes. and you have the complete quarterback, yeah. right? The complete thing. Uh, and, and so can you teach the guy that's a donut? Can you teach him the stuff in the middle? Because you have to have that middle part to be functional in the NFL and be really good. And we're starting to see some of these second year quarterbacks developing and getting a lot better and, and even developing as the year goes along. 
And so that's like, do you have the patience with Trey to see when and where and if that comes for him? Um, but Brock Purdy has that already. And, and it's pretty, it's pretty awesome to see. And it's pretty awesome to see that there's really no drop off. In fact, the offense is probably functioning better, even with Brock Purdy than Jimmy Garoppolo. And, yes. and I, I, I say that every time I talk about the quarterbacks, there's so many divided fans and people on this side and team Trey and team Brock. Yep. And then now like team Brock is like, Oh shoot, we like Brock Purdy, but do we take, are we now no longer team Trey or team Jimmy? And like, which side did they take from for the team Brock that's happening now? Right. And then there's going to be a team Brock versus team Trey later once Jimmy's gone and you have to choose sides. But for me, when right. I, I find myself rooting for all these guys even more than I did in the beginning because of the way they get treated because of these teams that are happening with, with fans and stuff. And for Trey, it's unfortunate what he's gone through with some injuries and what's going to be expected of him as a high pick. You know, he didn't trade up to draft himself at number three. He was just a really right good prospect and you know that's not really his fault and so now there's all these expectations and now he yeah. doesn't have the the reps to be the guy that he needs to be starting in 2023 and oh, will know. there be enough patience with the team and the fan base for him to get there even if it's just like it was for fields and trevor lawrence this year where it still might take six weeks like does he get till does he get till the end of october to figure it out next year that's tough when you have a guy like brock purdy who's playing so well and then just jimmy being a total pro throughout all of this and seeing what he's gone through and then see him get hurt again was really a bummer for me and so i find myself rooting for trey even more now i find myself rooting for jimmy even more now and the brock purdy story is just insane so how you cannot how can you not root for him and i don't see how people can see how these guys all of them pros um how, how you could be like anti one of these quarterbacks i find myself rooting for all of them even more than i did at the beginning yeah, and it's, sure. I think for me, and I said this last time, this is just the first time in a really long time the fan base is just kind of like, yeah, we're behind this guy. We're not thinking about anybody else. We're not talking about anybody else. And it, I'll tell you, for me, honestly, like the past two years have been exhausting. Like it's been really exhausting <laughs> for me. to Because to, like I feel like as content creators or whatever, like we're at the forefront of it. We give our opinions. We have a million people telling us why we're idiots or why they disagree or, or I like Jimmy, I like whatever. It's been so exhausting. And again, I don't dislike anybody either. But right now, it is coming next year, whether we like it or not, there's going to probably be a controversy. So just enjoy this right now, because right now just everybody's kind of behind one guy and it does feel good. And this is as excited as I've been in a really long time with this team, probably since 2019. And then I probably the Harbaugh years, because again, there's just not that like just drama surrounding it. It's just, Hey, here's this kid we're out here rooting for. And it's not like, well, if Jimmy's the QB one, no Trey's the QB. Like it's just been exhausting. It's been ridiculous. It makes me kind of thankful I wasn't. Um, I was a little kid when you had the Montana Young stuff because it probably would have been just as crazy. Oh, I can't but, imagine what Montana Young would be like in the social just, media. Oh, it would be, a and nightmare. it was multiple seasons worth like that. He was, yeah. Steve Young was around for a while. All right, guys, we got to get to these other couple things because we got we got our forty five minute mark here that we got to go to. So the couple that we wanted to get into was well, let's talk about this defense really quick um, before we get into the Kyle Shanahan stuff because I think. We do have a seventh-round rookie quarterback right now. So is this defense good enough to carry the team to a Super Bowl? And I was looking at other defenses that did. The two that really came to mind were the 2000 Ravens, um, the 85 Bears, and I guess you could say the Bucks too, in 2002. Those are the teams that you really look at and say, yeah, those defenses, I guess, kind of carried it. If I'm forgetting anybody, let me know. But was looking at that, that Ravens defense, for example, they, they only gave up 165 points their whole season. <laughs> I mean, they, they were just unbelievable. But they had, like, the Niners, if you look at them game to game, they had a random game where they gave up 36 to the Jags. 
Uh, they had a game with 23 against the Titans. And other than that, they were basically 19 and under the rest of the season. But they had more shutouts in three-point games than the Niners have. But the Niners have a defense right now that's only given up 210 points this season. And, well, the defense hasn't even given it up because there's been some offensive um, scores. So, what, there's been 16 points. So, 194 is all the defense has actually given up. And they've only – opponents have only broken 20 points on them twice. So if there's a defense in this day and age that can do it, I think I think it's this one, especially when you look in the NFC, when other than the Eagles, nobody really scares me. So a quarter of their points given up was the Chiefs. That too. That too. Crazy. If you take that game out, another good yeah. point. Yeah. that's And they were banged up. You had that Chiefs. The Chiefs and the Falcons stretch there. They gave up, what, 44 and 28, right? Is that what it was? Yeah. So you take out that. 26, 26 against the Falcons. It was it was twenty eight. Score was twenty eight to fourteen. Well, there they gave a, up twenty one. Twenty one. I guess if you count, don't count the fumble, but right, yeah, there was an, uh, a defensive score for the Falcons. Yeah. yeah. So, but still, the points on the season that this team has given up seventy two right. out of the two hundred and ten were in that two that two week stretch. So they've been unbelievable. Right. So yeah, I I think that this this defense, especially, you're not going against Josh Allen. You're not going against Patrick Mahomes. You're not going against Joe Burrow yet until you get to the Super Bowl. You got to figure it's going to be one of those three teams. You're not going to see that in the NFC. So, yes, I think they can carry them there. You know, I I think I we got I think we got to throw that what 03 Bucks defense in there as well. Um, I mm-hmm. think they kind of led that team, but not not to the level that those Ravens teams did. Here's the thing that I think is more impressive about this defense than anything is the era in which they're doing this. Right, this is an era designed for offensive football. The rules are there to promote scoring. The rules are there to protect quarterbacks. The rules are there to, uh, you know, the number of flags we get for off for defensive pass interference. You know, it it's just it is designed for high scoring NFL games. And the fact that this defense is doing what they do now, I think, is even more impressive than let's say the 2019 defense, right? Which is what we like to compare this to. But even more than that, that 2012 defense. Right. Those Harbaugh defenses, those Fangio defenses. Let's be let's give the man his due. Um, the Again, the rules are different. And. I just feel like. I and 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 this could be wrong, but I look across the league and I think to myself, even after that Chiefs debacle, you know, back in week eight or whenever that was there isn't an offense right now in the NFL that scares me for this 49ers defense as long as it's healthy. And that's always going to have to be the key there as long as it's healthy. And I I don't remember ever feeling that way, you know, in a given season going, I don't care who we go up against. We're I'm, I'm confident that, you know, I, uh, on the last episode during that, the, during that Seahawks game, I kept trying to think of, nicknames for this defense and I came up with the NC 17 defense and it worked two ways for me NC 17 there's no chance you're more scoring more than 17 but also NC, rated NC 17 for violence like I feel like it works both ways but I mean this this defense is I I've I've run out of ways to talk about it to to, to talk glowingly about it so I, I absolutely think now here's the thing your question out can they carry him to a Super Bowl I don't know if we are in an era of football where a defense can, right? I f- it feels like eventually, because of the rules, because offense is is being pushed so hard, eventually you you run into, you know, a situation where 
like the Chiefs game, you know, that we already had. So I, I don't think on their own they can, but in terms of being a part of this team as a whole, I absolutely do. I think they absolutely can, yeah. And when you look at what happened in 2019, I don't see why this team can't be you know, on a similar run or, or the team we saw last year with the 49ers mm -hmm. and, and completely led by their defense. And right now the offense is, you know, better than than both of those teams and, and the way Brock Purdy's playing. And again, the way he's playing, I say, because uh, I don't want to say that he's a better quarterback than anybody because we don't know. He's only played a couple of games and, and I've kind of been waiting to see him turn into a pumpkin if that happens. Um, but I, it's it's looking more and more like that's not going to happen. So if he keeps playing at this level, this is a better overall football team. The defense is just as good. Um, they're probably better in a lot of ways than the 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 past defenses that that didn't that, that the 49ers couldn't get over the hump with just because of everybody. You know, Warner is just a you know a little older and a little wiser, and and Bosa is actually playing even better than he did in 2019. And mm -hmm. uh, the offense is getting more first down. So putting less stress on the defensive side of the ball and, and putting up more points. And so all those things together, I think the the defense though is absolutely doing great things and everybody can cover. And the, the one thing I worry about against the best quarterbacks is the scheme is so sound and the team is so sound, but there's those whole shot throws. There's the stuff that if you're a special quarterback, that you can do. And we saw a little glimpse of it early in the chargers game with, with Herbert before the 49ers really took that game over. Um, and obviously we saw it a lot in the Kansas city chiefs game. When you do play that type of quarterback in a couple of years ago, remember how badly Josh Allen beat the 49ers is like, this is not, we're, we're not, they're not playing the same sport almost. Mm. You know? And so when you have a quarterback that can do that and maybe pick apart the scheme and get the balls in places that some quarterbacks can't, um, do they run into problems? But again, you look at the NFC. Is there anybody in the NFC you're worried about in the playoffs doing that to you? Not really. So it might not happen into the Super Bowl if it happens at all. So I think this defense can absolutely carry the 49ers to the Super Bowl. And by the way, I wonder what it's like being Brad Johnson or uh, Trent Dilfer when your name is only brought up as being the worst quarterbacks for a yeah. Super Bowl winning team. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think they look at their Super Bowl ring and go, yeah. Yeah. they kiss their ring and they go, oh, really? <laughs> sure. Okay. Check their face. Right, still got this. <laughs> so you had the uh those Walsh and Shanahan comparisons you were telling me about off air that I'm kind of dying dying to hear what this is. So what, what do we got with that? Yeah. So the other thing we want to talk about a little bit uh before we get on out of here is kind of now that now that the 49ers have captured another NFC West championship, now that we know that they're going to the postseason, they are guaranteed a playoff spot. That means that Kyle Shanahan in his first six seasons has uh led this team to the playoffs. Uh, in three of the six seasons. And so, um, again, I just started looking into a comparison, right? Specifically of 49er coaches. And this is what I came up with in their first six seasons. And I didn't mean to do this, but I ended up creating what I felt like were two columns, Kyle Shanahan and Bill Walsh, and then Jim Harbaugh and George Seifert. Kyle Shanahan and Bill Walsh took over teams that were just in absolute disarray versus Harbaugh and Seifert, who took over teams who already had a pretty complete roster built. Now, granted, Harbaugh got a lot more out of that roster than the previous coach did, but that roster was still there. They didn't bring in a ton of talent. They brought in some, you know, Carlos Rogers, they brought in prior to that 2011 season. That was an important, uh, that was an important signing. Um, obviously, you know, they got, they got Alden Smith, all of that. I mean, it, it helps, but again, the, the roster when Shanahan took over and when Will and when Walsh took over 
light years worse than when Harbaugh took over in Seifert. So in season seasons one and two, uh, Kyle Shanahan and Bill Walsh both missed missed the playoffs with losing records. In in season three, both Shanahan and Walsh finished thirteen and three. Uh, Shanahan led his team to the Super Bowl. Walsh won the Super Bowl. The following season, wonky, weird year for Walsh. It was a, sh- a strike shortened season. They were three and six through their first nine. For uh, Shanahan, it was COVID season. Uh, they ended up six and ten. And then the following year, they were uh, Shanahan was ten and seven. Walsh was ten and six. They were a wild card team. And they both lost in the NFC Championship game. And then the following season, Walsh was 15 and one. They won their second uh, Super Bowl. Shanahan is now an NFC West champion. I put in here 13 and four. I'm I, I'm pretty confident over the next three, but obviously we don't know yet. And then the final result, we don't know. But just the eerie similarity between the two is is hard to ignore, right? Uh, the the pattern, which is just again when something like this happens over a course of time. Like, how does a pattern like that even emerge? And so it's just very interesting to me. And then the other thing that I wanted to look at, man, I don't think we talk about George Seifert enough as a, as a franchise. Like this man, this man was head coach for the 49ers for eight seasons. And he went 14 and two, 14 and two, 10 and six, 14 and two, 10 and six, 13 and three, 11 and five, and then 12 and four, and then was fired. (laughs) Like, man, what a rough what a rough way to end. Um, and then the only time he missed the playoffs was in his third season. Every other, every other season he was in the playoffs. Uh, and and Seifert made it to one, two, three, four, five, five NFC championship games. Kyle Shanahan has made it to two. Yeah, that's and it's funny, like the way the things were back then, like that was considered a disappointment. Like people were, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like Eddie D wants, wants to win the title and well, they're not getting there. The nineties 49ers were a lot of what ifs. That's a good show for the off season. Yeah. <laughs> but Kyle Shanahan, this is where I was with him this year. And I probably would have been that way with Bill Walsh in 19 going into the 1983 season. Um, this was a huge year for Kyle. Cause what Kyle did was he had the two rebuilding years or the year where Jimmy gets hurt, the rebuilding year, the year Jimmy gets hurt. And then they go 13 and three and you're like, all right, here we go. And then, yeah, it was a COVID year, but they still went six and 10. They started out three and five last year. Kind of some fluky stuff happens, but they make the nice run. This year at three and four, it goes, it was going one of two ways. If this season went and they were eight and nine or nine and eight, now he's on the hot seat next year. He really is. But, it, but now what's happened is he's won 10 games plus three the last four years. He's won two divisions. He's made the playoffs three the last four years. Now the narrative has completely changed. Now he's, he's, they're not even getting remote discussion of him being on the hot seat. He's completely changed it with a really, really good season. Um, and, you know, credit to him for that, because, you know, what's funny is if things happen differently this offseason, maybe Nate Sudfeld's been starting for a while and, and they're not in the, and they're not in the shape that they are right now. So it's been a really good year for Shanahan. And it's I think maybe in a couple of years we're going to laugh to think that people were ever kind of had him on the hot seat because he, he might have been heading there if, if things ended up differently. But but here we are. This chart also blows me away at even great coaches, how short their careers can be. Like imagine mm-hmm. if Kyle Shanahan won the Super Bowl and then only coached the team for four more years. <laughs> and that's the same. You know, Bill, he's, yeah. he's over halfway of what Bill Walsh did in his career as far as uh, how long he coached the San Francisco 49ers and only two years off of George Seifert. Uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, totally different eras, different, you know, style of ownerships and, and the expectations for George Seifert really just – 
impossible when you look at it like that. It's unbelievable that a divisional loss is something that, you know, the Lions fans have been dying for my whole life. And the 49ers are firing their coach in, in the 90s because uh, he only got to the playoffs and lost in the divisional round. So right. uh, he only won two Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's it's pretty amazing when you when you put this all together and and look at this. And then even the Harbaugh era, and obviously there's other reasons why, but his record as a coach and you know how much better all these guys' records overall are than Kyle Shanahan, who by the way, kudos to Kyle Shanahan with the 10th win on the season, got himself over 500 no matter what happens the rest of the way this year. He's a, he's not a losing coach anymore record-wise for the 49ers after this year. So, yeah, he is currently 49 and 46 in the regular season as the 49ers head coach, which means at worst he finishes this season at 49 and 49. I don't mm-hmm. foresee that happening. Um, but hey, also look at the parallels there. He's won 49 games as as the 49ers head coach. I like it. I like and, it. And the, but go ahead now. I was going to say the last is, is, is that narrative starts to change now. The last four years, obviously the season has a bit of ways to go, but he's 39 and 24. It's a pretty damn good record. And what four playoff wins? So that's that's pretty damn good. I think a lot of people would take that over four year stretch. And here's the thing. So uh, so looking at we talked about you know what if Kyle Shanahan wins a Super Bowl, ver, you know comparing him to Bill Walsh. But what if Kyle Shanahan's teams say lose in the divisional round the next two years? Does he suffer the fate of George Seifert too? Because like this career could go a lot of different ways for Kyle Shanahan right now. This is a huge season, yes, but uh, he can't go back to. You know, okay, go to the Super Bowl. Oh, but then you're six and ten again next year. He can't really do that either. And then he's got a young quarterback to try to figure out what to do. So, like, th- this could still go a lot of ways for Kyle Shanahan here. Is is uh, now? Granted, we're talking about very different quarterbacks in their in their uh, trajectory of their careers. But you know, obviously, Walsh had Montana and and Young and that whole dilemma there. And now instead of having two established veterans battling it out, you've got two young quarterbacks now that he's going to have to figure out which one of these guys is going to take us farther. And, and here's the thing, right? What if, what if Brock Purdy leads this team to a Super Bowl victory? Like, does it, d- is there still a conversation to be had? And I think there is, I'm not saying there's not, but is there still a conversation to be had about, yeah, but what about this kid who, is more physically gifted. We, you know, we spent all of this capital, right. To, to move up, to get him. Are we just going to cut bait on that? Because this kid who we've seen for seven regular season games. And, and now again, if it's a Super Bowl victory three or actually no four postseason, uh, four postseason games, cause they're not getting a buy. Um, is that enough to, to cut bait on a, on a, an experiment like Trey Lance. I don't know. That's that. I I don't know that I have that answer right now, but uh, again, that is what Kyle Shanahan is getting paid to do, but that's a difficult situation for him moving forward, which is why I think, again, this season has been such an impressive and impressive uh, coaching. uh, I don't want to say clinic, but it's been, it's, it's been an, uh, an impressive coaching season for him. And, And I genuinely believe that he doesn't get enough, uh, hype for coach of the year to be where they're at right now and be on QB three. I don't, no one in the league would be where, where they are uh, if that were the case. So uh, kudos to Kyle Shanahan and kudos to John Lynch for this roster that he put together that allows them to really weather a lot of bumps and bruises along the way with the depth that they created. 
And then you also think about what if Trey Lance develops into the next Josh Allen, what that would look like with all the, that the 49ers have going for them, you know, with playmakers and on the defensive side of the ball and how scary that would be too. So to me, all that's done is, is basically, um, and we saw in 2019, what, 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 how impactful that is for the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl. The Niners literally said no to Tom Brady. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like, and yeah. I'm sure Brock Purdy is going to have an opportunity to compete at least, at least compete for a starting job and, and maybe even take the first, first team reps in camp over Trey Lance. Uh, if he does go and, and win a Super Bowl, it'd be phenomenal, but there's no way that you wouldn't allow Trey Lance to compete for that job too. And so, but it, it would allow, Brock Purdy to potentially be the opening day starter in 2023, uh, but he pretty much has to run the table at this point. I think for that to happen because of everything that's gone into and resources spent on Trey Lance. But again, I don't think they'll have the patience for Trey Lance either necessarily. So I think it could be just a legit competition. And if Trey Lance doesn't show a ton of development and, uh, and readiness by week one, we could see, Brock Purdy winning that job. So it's it's going to be a wild, wild offseason. It's going to be a wild, wild into this season, I have a feeling. And by the way, um, which also means it's <laughs> I talked about this on Lockdown 49ers because I don't know why we expect that Brock Purdy is not going to get hurt or something, right? Like it's it's not going to be Brock Purdy. It's going to be Josh Johnson, or it's going to be like Brock Purdy on the third play of the game gets hurt in the Super Bowl and Chris McCaffrey. Oh my God. And you, go, yeah. and you still go in the Super Bowl, right? It's going to be something even more insane in the most insane story we've ever seen with Brock Purdy. And it could get even crazier, right? So um, that's what's, and, and we keep doing it with like, you know, running backs or, you know, every position where like, you know, people talk about, uh, not to go off course too much here, but like, you know, so Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt and is like, oh, Brock Purdy, he's going to take us the rest of the way and act like injuries don't happen anymore because or uh, Javon Kinlaw is going to come back and be like, oh, cool. Kinlaw is coming back. So he's for sure going to play every game for the rest of his career after he gets back off of IR. Right. And, you know, we, you, you always forget that. Oh, yeah there's this other thing that's probably going to happen soon and you should that storm cloud is always there. It's It's always there. And it's just the way that, you know, we talk about how Brock Purdy's wired. That's why he's different than, than we are, you know, as fans and watching the game, you're wired another way to just be like, Oh oh, yeah, cool. Okay. So this, this starting lineup is going to stay healthy and be the starting lineup all year. Of course. And tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. I think it's on the screen there. And you can find myself and Eric Crocker doing Locked On 49ers every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. And I also do an NFL show with former NFL scout and ESPN writer Matt Williamson, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. We also go every day talking about the entire league. And so you can find me in a lot of places. I'm doing uh, about 10 plus podcasts a week. So you can probably find me somewhere. So you could just we, throw a rock and find a Brian Peacock podcast. Throw a rock at some speaker and you'll probably have my voice. <laughs> coming out of it well we appreciate the time man it's good to finally get you on here and be able to do this so thank you so much um and we gotta do it again soon man definitely you have a standing invite for the show anytime you want to do it absolutely absolutely pleasure chatting with you guys thanks for the invite and uh, i'll have to have you guys pop on locked on 49ers with us in the off season when we do some of those round tables absolutely all right for brian and brian this is al thanks everybody later Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.